Good morning. Let's praise the Lord together. To God be the glory, great things He hath done. So loved He the world that He gave us His Son. Who yielded His life and atonement for sin.
today and indeed we have brought glory to our Father through Jesus Christ the Son. That's the only way we can bring God glory is through Christ. And so today let's remember his love for us. Let's remember the great things that he has done. In Psalm 111, it tells us about the great works of the Lord. Hear it again as I read Psalm 111. Praise the Lord. I will give thanks to the Lord with all my heart in the company of the upright and in the assembly. Great are the works of the Lord. They are studied by all who delight in them. Splendid and majestic is his work and his righteousness endures forever. He has made his wonders to be remembered and the Lord is gracious and compassionate. He has given food to those who fear him. He will remember his covenant forever. He has made known to his people the power of his works in giving them the heritage of the nations. The works of his hands are truth and justice. All his precepts are sure. They are upheld forever and ever. They are performed in truth and uprightness. He has sent redemption to his people. He has ordained his covenant forever. Holy and awesome is his name. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, a good understanding of all those who do his commandments. His praise endures forever. Let's continue to praise him. Good morning. And we'd like to welcome you to our service. And today we want to wish our fathers a happy Father's Day. Today, as we think of Father's Day, there are many times that we joke around on Father's Day, where we can say that it's not like Mother's Day, where we joke around about all the crab and rice that people are going to eat. As we see when we go around our roundabouts, instead of seeing baskets and gifts, we see crabs. And so this is what we always like to joke around with Father's Day. And I think that as far as I know, this is only done here in the Bahamas because I don't know anywhere else that talks about crab and rice. But we, in our own sense, have our own traditions as fathers. Even though for me, I don't like crab and I don't eat crab and rice, but for everyone else, happy crab and Father's Day to you. We as men are called to many jobs, but the greatest job we are called to or the greatest responsibility is the job of dad. We are called to lead our family, but yet so many times we give so much to our everyday jobs that there are times that we miss out the greatest responsibility, and that is our families, leading them, and especially as we think of this morning, leading our kids. Proverbs 20, verse 7 says, The righteous who walks in his integrity, blessed are his children after him. The first part of this verse clearly states, The righteous man who walks in integrity. This shows a man that doesn't just say that he follows God, but it shows in everything that he does, and it shows that God is number one in his life. The word describes that which is a complete or whole. All its parts are together, and it's the same in all its parts. That which proves consistent through all parts of such a man's life, his righteousness. This marks the man out as a devout believer and a follower of God who has compassionately integrate God into every avenue of his life. You see, we need to make sure as dads that this is our number one job, our number one responsibility is our families, our children, that we lead them in a way that God is not just something that we add on, but God is everything that we do. And it's not just something because we bring our kids to church, but we show them Christ in everything that we do in our homes and whatever it is, in our jobs, wherever we go, that God is number one. 
You ask most men, they will say they want to leave their family financially set and make sure their family is taken care of if anything happens to them. And there's nothing wrong with this, as we would all want to make sure our family is right as if, we, if the Lord takes us before that time. But let us remember this. The greatest thing that we can leave our kids is a godly example in us. That they would see Christ in our lives. That they would see that no matter what happens when things are going good and when things are going rough, just as we think of right now, that God is number one in our home. God is number one in everything that we do. And I would like to challenge all of us as men, whether you have children or not, if you have a relationship with Christ, let your integrity shine through as we know the challenges that we have in this country today. Whether we believe it or not, we as men need to set the tone. We are the leaders of this country, and we need to let our godly principles show in all that we do. Because our integrity, people see that. They see, the good pe- they see people who stand up for what is right because there is so much going wrong in this world. So I want to challenge you. If you're not a father, remember this. You can be a father to someone because someone is looking up to you. And you need to use that. You need to invest in those people. You need to come alongside and show them Christ. I would like to just close with one verse as we think of fathers. And, we, and this is a verse for all of us. But I want to just focus today on fathers. And this, this is it. Ephesians 5.1 says, Therefore be imitators of God as dearly love children. Let us imitate Christ wherever we go. And we will see a difference because our children will see Christ in every avenue of our homes. And so I challenge each one of us today as a father that we, and like I said, we, but take this to heart, and we would apply this to our lives. just want to take a time now to pray for our Father. Let's pray. Dearly Father, you are great. You are awesome. Father, there is no greater Father than you. As you state, you never leave us or forsake us. You are the same yesterday, today, and forever. And what a thought as we think of our own lives. As we, if we're honest, we're not the same. We are thankful sometimes in the good times and when things are going rough, sometimes we are not the same person. And Father, I pray that you would help us to take to heart what your word says, that we would imitate you, that we would follow after you, that we would leave an example for our kids, we would leave an example for all around us, that they would see the integrity in our lives, they would see the righteousness of Christ in our lives. And Father, I pray for our fathers at this time. Father, as we know, we are going through tough times, uncertain times. But again, we can trust in you and know that you are in full control. And Father, you are with us. You promise you'll never leave us or forsake us. And we can rest in that. And we know, Father, that you would help us. And Father, I pray for each one of us as Father that we would make sure that your word is number one in our, in our homes that we would study a word with our kids, that we would challenge our families, that we would do all that we can to bring honor and glory to your name. And Father, that our kids would see you in us. And Father, even when we are having those times of, you know, we don't know what to do or we just upset, that we would always turn to you and show our kids the example that no matter what goes on, that we can turn to you. And Father, I pray that you just continue to be with our country, that you would be with the men of this country, that we would wake up, that we would be men of integrity, we would be men that 
stand up for what's right, that we'd be men that show the next generation what it means to follow after Christ and to be men of integrity. And we just thank you and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Youth Pastor Nicholas Rogers. That's a good word from the Word. I have some announcements I'd like to bring to the viewers. Beginning with, great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. Today, the deacon and elder boards have the announcement, which I think you and I have been waiting for. And it has to do with our position on reopening the sanctuary to worshipers. I read the announcement. Dear family of the incredible body of Christ of Calvary Bible Church, we trust that you are all well by the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. The combined leadership of CBC, in keeping with our commitment to you, wish to advise you of the imminent plans for us to resume corporate worship on next Lord's Day, June 28th, 10.30 a.m. In preparation for our resumption of services, we advise that we have taken the following preparatory steps in compliance with the established government protocols and to ensure our collective safety and to the greatest extent possible. On Sunday past, June the 14th, the eligible less than 65-year-old elders and deacons and ministry workers from the ushers and greeters conducted a walkthrough at the live stream service. We observed and will be implementing the following protocols for the upcoming service, namely, number one, wearing of appropriate face coverings over nose and mouth prior to entering the church premises and for the duration of the corporate worship service, which is not to exceed one hour. Please note that the platform worship leaders will be unmasked as is appropriate while observing the physical distancing protocols. Number two, hand sanitation upon entry and exit of the church premises administered by ushers and or at the sanitizing stations. Number three, Maintenance of physical distancing protocols, including compliance with seating assignments as directed by the ushers. Number four, delay of persons aged 65 plus or those with comorbidity conditions from attending services until a date to be determined. Number five, use of the Earl Weech Auditorium for overflow and service viewing. Number six, prompt dispersal following the corporate worship, avoiding the congregation in large groups, being mindful of safe slash social slash physical distancing as service attendees return to their vehicles. In order to assist in this process, please note that a full professional cleaning of the entire church premises will be conducted prior to the resumption of corporate worship to ensure that it is sanitary for attendees' use and, and uh, safety. And appropriate signage has been posted for ease of direction. And 
hand sanitizing stations have been erected throughout the church premises, and ushers will open the doors and present the offering bag to attendees to reduce high contact surfaces. We believe that it is God's will that we resume regular corporate worship. Pray for us all as we lovingly and carefully prepare to gather as God's servants in worship. That is a very happy announcement for me to be able to read to all of you. And so we bless the Lord, all the servants of the Lord, who serve in the house of the Lord, and we lift up our hands in the sanctuary, and we bless the Lord. Thank you for praying and giving of tithes and offerings and for serving others in Jesus' name. We thank the Lord that Operation Inasmuch, our feeding ministry, reopened this past Wednesday morning, and there were plenty of happy and grateful recipients of groceries. We will serve our community again this coming Wednesday morning between 9 and 11 a.m., We could still use some more male volunteers under the age of 65, so if you care to volunteer, please phone the church office. Please note, again, that our faithful Operation Inasmuch workers who are over the age of 65 are on a temporary leave of absence because they are at higher risk for COVID-19. The Christian Counseling Center is open by Telephone, Mondays through Thursdays, 9 a.m. to 1 p.m., phone number 323-7000. Instructions and perhaps reinforcements about online giving info, you could give online at Calvary Bible Church, Royal Bank of Canada, Palmdale Branch, 05745, account number 737 0885. For benevolence giving, I remain to be the contact person and be pleased to give you help in giving to the Benevolence Fund. And if you know of someone who is in need of Benevolence Fund help, please let me know. For general fund giving, four deacons remain as your contact men. Elwood Bonamy, Charlie Albury, Wilfred Jack, and Monty Miller. The prayer sheet continues to be posted on our webpage, www.calvarybible.org.bs. Click on News and Events. And something new we'd like to make you aware of, that beginning today and all the Sundays going forward, there will be a replay of the live stream at 10.30 on the Sunday morning at 6 p.m. So if you miss the live stream for any reason or you want to see it again, you'll be able to do so on both platforms, our webpage, or at CBC Body Facebook to have a replay of the 10.30 Sunday morning service recorded there for you each Sunday. At a time like this, I think it's wonderful for us to reflect upon Jesus Christ's words when he said, I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. I'd like to pray with you. Let us pray. Gracious God, triune in essence, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You are King of heaven, rock of ages, 
refuge, high tower, hiding place and shield, fortress and shepherd, tutor and grace and truth, creator, redeemer, savior, Lord, friend, God, most high God, glorious, good, holy, near, wise, uncreated, peace, hope. As we reflect upon your character, triune God, we are very mindful that we fall short of your standard and your character often in our thoughts, words, and our deeds. We have left undone, Lord, things we know that you would want us to do. And we have done things, Lord, that we are aware you did not want us to do. Our mouths have caused us to sin with our speech, and our heart attitudes sometimes have been dark in your sight. Lord, we think of the hatred you have for all sin, but at this time in history, we are mindful of your hatred for the sin of racism. And Lord, we pray that Jesus Christ would transform racist hearts as they repent of that sin and as they love all as they should. And Lord, where racism has been systemic in any part of the Christian church, we confess it as sin. We ask, Lord, that we could do what is right in your sight and in the sight of persons who are made in your image, brothers and sisters in Christ. Lord, for these sins, Christ has died. We give thanks today for the plan to reopen this beloved sanctuary to worshipers next Lord's Day. Thank you, Lord. We pray and thank you for Priscilla Murphy, home from the hospital and recovering well. Thank you, Lord. We give thanks to you for your protection of the incredible body of Christ from the coronavirus these 14 or so weeks. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for the gospel by which we are saved, your power unto salvation for all who will believe the simple and profound and miraculous message that Christ has died for sins and arisen from the dead. May we be heralds of that. May we speak it, invite sinners to salvation in Christ. Thank you for the Holy Spirit, his ongoing ministry in our lives and in our church. Thank you for the word of God, the precepts of Scripture, the inspired truth that you've given to us in your holy book. May it not just be something we know about, but it may it be something that we live in obedience. Lord, today we pray for fathers, knowing the high and holy calling it is to be entrusted with little lives that grow up to be adults. As was the challenge from Pastor Nicholas Rogers, may we be men who put you as number one in our lives with integrity, sacrifice, consistency and righteousness. For those, Lord, who feel like they've been defeated in their role as a father, may they confess their sin and experience forgiveness and go forward. And for other fathers who are, by your grace and by your enablement, on the right track, give us grace to persevere, stand in the right places at the right times. Lord, some are sick in our fellowship. We will not name them all. You know them all, but we pray for Ursula and Rose Bradshaw with eye issues. 
Sister Martha Albrecht, soon to have a surgery. Terry Fox, in the aftermath of cancer treatment. Will Kanaka, homebound. Marge Ferguson, Pedro's mom, soon to be embarking on chemotherapy. And others, Lord. We pray for the government of our land to be courageous and consistent and that the communications that the Prime Minister and other health officials have for us would be relevant and up-to-date and the best communications and policies possible. We lift you our missionaries, Lord. We thank you that they serve you abroad and domestically by faith. Encourage their work. Protect them, Lord, from discouragement and give them creativity as their Financial support has been reduced in some cases. We pray for those viewers that are currently laid off from their jobs or unemployed. Lord, breathe by your Holy Spirit a breath of optimism and hope for new work for these who need it. We pray, Heavenly Father, for the Counseling Center's ministry with hurting people. Give Pastor Arnett and Sister Arnett biblical thinking as they help hurting people. Lord, some of us are bereaved and need your grace. Gareth and Tony Lewis and their son Gareth Jr. as they laid to rest 15-year-old calendar. Oh, comfort this family, Lord. Pastor and Sister Lee with the loss of a stillborn great-granddaughter Blair Elise now with Jesus, and others, Lord, that are bereaved. We pray for the lost. We come in contact with them every day. Sometimes they really look lost, and other times they don't look lost, but they're lost. Help us to understand that everybody we meet is either saved or lost, headed toward heaven or headed toward hell. Give us a burden. Give us an urgency, a love. Make us ready to share the gospel and willing to share the gospel. Lord, we pray for an important pastor's meeting this coming Saturday when we will be looking at our church overall and her ministries. Oh, help us, Lord, to be men of faith and wisdom as we evaluate and plan the future. And Lord, as we come to your word shortly, May it be a clarion, clear call to each of us to know Christ to progress in the things of the Lord, to grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. All to your glory, Heavenly Father. And we pray this in your Son, our Savior's name. Amen. Thank you, Pastor, for leading us before the throne of grace. Aren't you glad that it is a throne of grace where we might obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need? For the Lord is good, and his mercy endures forever. Let's praise him for that. Praise the Lord. His mercy is more. Stronger than darkness, new every morn. Our sins, they are many, His mercy is more. 
what love could remember, no wrongs we have done. Omniscient, all-knowing, He counts not their sum. Thrown into a sea without bottom or shore. Our sins, they are many, His mercy is more. Praise the Lord, His mercy is more. Stronger than darkness, new every morn. Our sins, they are many, His mercy is more. What patience would wait as we constantly roam? What Father so tender is calling us home? He welcomes the weakest, the vilest, the poor. Our sins, they are many, His mercy He lavished on us His blood was the payment His life was the cost We stood neath a debt We could never afford Our sins, they are many His mercy is more Praise the grace today as Pastor Rob opens the word. His mercy is more. Thank you, musicians, for reminding us what a great truth. One of the biggest frustrations in driving in Nassau is to be bumper to bumper in gridlock, in traffic jam, not progressing anywhere. There you sit in your car, uh, 
knowing your destination, burning expensive gasoline, and maybe missing your meeting. <laughs> Not progressing in a driving trip is costly. But do you know what? Not progressing in our spiritual lives is also costly. And Hebrews 6, verses 1 through 8, warn us of the cost of not progressing spiritually. This morning, we're only going to take up the first three verses, but I would just like to pray with you before we do so. Lord, show us the means of grace you've given us, the Spirit of God, the Word of God, the power of prayer, and many other means of grace that we would progress, that none of us, Lord, would have a valid excuse when we see you for not progressing to be more like you. Hide me, Lord, behind the cross that Jesus Christ would be seen. And we ask this in his name, amen. Three questions for you to start this morning. Are you spiritually progressing? And how do you know if you are or you aren't? Third question, who is the best judge as to whether or not you are spiritually progressing? Would it be you or would it be someone who knows you quite well? We're going to seek to answer those questions in the course of looking at this passage. And so if you have your Bibles, would you turn to Hebrews chapter 6? I'm going to read the full context of our verses, which is verses uh, 1 through 8. Hebrews 6, 1 through 8. Hear the word of God. Therefore, leaving the elementary teaching about Christ, let us press on to maturity, not laying Again, a foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, of instruction about washings and laying on of hands, and the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. And this we shall do if God permits. For in the case of those who have once been enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and have been made partakers of the Holy Spirit and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the age to come and then have fallen away, it is impossible to renew them again to repentance since they again crucify to themselves the Son of God and put him to open shame. For ground that drinks the rain which often falls upon it and brings forth vegetation useful for those for whose sake it also was tilled receives a blessing from God, but... If it yields thorns and thistles, it is worthless and close to being cursed, and it ends up being burned. Back in Hebrews 5 and verse 12, we saw a truth that spiritual dullness of hearing and failure to be first-time learners of spiritual truth left the original readers of the book of Hebrews spiritually immature. That is to say, it left them without the knowledge needed to be lived out, to have an understanding of something called the elementary principles of the oracles of God. And again, what are the elementary principles of the oracles of God? They are the ABCs of the Mosaic Law, which serve as the foundation of the ABCs of the gospel. And the facts are these. Number one, no one can be saved 
until they utterly are convinced that they're lost. And number two, no one is convinced that they are lost until they see they simply can't obey God's standard of the law, 100% of the standard, 100% of the time. And so now we look at verse 1 again, 6, chapter 6. Therefore, leaving the elementary teaching about the Christ, let us press on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God. As you can see, this verse begins with a therefore connecting word. This means that whatever is said in verse 1 of chapter 6 links back to what was asserted in the previous verses of the passage of chapter 5, verses 11 to 14. And so the flow of thought when you consider that context is this. Because spiritual immaturity is bad, press on to spiritual maturity. Now watch this. Hebrews 6, 1 to 3, will give us a total of six aspects of the foundation which we are expected to master before we go on to normally grow in the things of God. Six aspects of the foundation for spiritual maturing. We will only consider two of the six aspects in the time we have this morning. And so to say it again, we must remember that these six foundational aspects are all needed to be mastered if you're going to go on to spiritual growth and progress in the things of Jesus Christ. And again, today, we're only going to take the time to look at the first two of those six foundational aspects. So let's get after it. Foundational part one, it is repentance from dead works. Repentance from dead works, I see it there in verse 1. Therefore, leaving the elementary teaching about the Christ, let us press on to maturity, watch it, not laying again a foundation of, an, of repentance from dead works. Repentance from dead works is one of the foundation stones that any spiritual progress has to be laid upon. In the Old Testament, repentance from dead works too often look like 50% repentance. Let me explain. In the Old Testament, the children of Israel either turned away from evil deeds, but they did not turn fully toward God. That was Jonah. Or the flip side of the coin of 50% repenting was that in the Old Testament, the Jews turned to God, but not fully away from evil deeds. That was King Solomon. And so typically, the Old Testament nation of Israel's repentance from dead works was incomplete. It was 50% repentance. In the New Testament, Ephesians 5, 7 and 12 call you and me, call the church to repentance from dead works by saying this. Ephesians 5, 7 to 12. Therefore, do not be partakers with them, for you were formerly darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of light consists in all goodness and righteousness and truth, trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. Do not participate in the unfruitful deeds of darkness, but instead even expose them, for it is disgraceful even to speak of the things which are done by them in secret. The second part of 
this truth that repentance from dead works is necessary for spiritual growth is that the New Testament Christian is called by Scripture to repent of all unfruitful deeds of darkness. Have we? Have you? Have I? Repented of all unfruitful deeds of darkness. We will not spiritually progress if we fail to repent from dead works, specifically unfruitful deeds of darkness. So that's foundation part one, the repentance from dead works. Let's move on to foundation part two. That's faith toward God. Still in verse one. Therefore, leaving the elementary teaching about the Christ, let us press on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works, now it is, here it is, and of faith toward God. Faith toward God is the second part of the foundation you and I must have if we are going to progress in spiritual growth. Now, in the Old Testament, uh, faith toward God uh, looked like faith in God the Father. And interestingly enough, uh, the New Testament passage of Romans 4, 1 to 5, is an inspired scriptural commentary on the fact that in the Old Testament, faith toward God was in God the Father, citing Abraham as uh, the example. Romans 4, 1 to 5. What then shall we say that Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh, has found? For if Abraham was justified by works... He is something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was counted, credited to him as righteousness. Now to the one who works, his wage is not credited as a favor, but as what is due. But to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is credited as righteousness. So the second uh, cornerstone, the second foundational stone of spiritual progression, having faith toward God, in the Old Testament looked like the Jew expressing faith in God the Father. And it was credited to Abraham as righteousness when he took his teenage son of promise to the altar and was willing to slaughter the boy as he thought that was God's will. He had faith toward God, and that faith toward God saw heaven credited Abraham with righteousness. In the New Testament, faith is to be placed in God the Son. In the Old Testament, faith toward God was faith toward the Father. In the New Testament, faith toward God is faith in the Son. It says in 1 John 5, 11 and 12, one of the most helpful verses in personal evangelism. And the testimony is this, that God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He who has the Son has the life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have the life. Clearly, when it comes to this foundation stone for spiritual progression as portrayed in the New Testament, it's a call to have faith toward God the Son as Savior, as Lord. So I ask you, viewer, 
Are you spiritually progressing? Have you gotten to and then have you gotten beyond these two foundational aspects, namely repentance from dead works and faith toward God? Have you gotten there? And if you have gotten to these two parts of the foundation for spiritual progression, or have you gone past that and into further into that? Repentance from dead works and faith toward God. And so the question I asked to begin the sermon, the third question, who is best to judge your spiritual progress, you yourself or someone else who knows you? The answer has to be uh, none of the above. The answer has to be the Holy Spirit. If I know, want to know anything accurately about whether or not I'm spiritually progressing, I can't trust my thoughts and my feelings and my evaluations because my heart is desperately wicked. I can't even know it. But if I invite the Holy Spirit to search me, try me to see if there be any unrighteous way in me and to lead me in the way everlasting, then I get a true barometer of my spiritual progression. So if I want to know, am I progressing spiritually, then I better ask the Holy Spirit about it. He's never talked to me out loud. I don't expect he will. Scriptures are complete. But he's often put impressions on my heart that are very clear. And so, if you want to know if you're spiritually progressing or not, you need to ask the Holy Spirit who lives within you to help you know. Because your flesh and my flesh can be one things that fool us. So, Let's end this sermon with two applicational points. Number one, how are you, Christian, with repentance from dead works? How are you? When nobody is looking, when you, it's just you and your thoughts, how are you with repentance from dead works? Have you fully turned away from them to fully pursue things that honor God instead? Or would you be embarrassed if the floodlight of awareness by others was to be put upon your life when you were alone and all of a sudden you're not alone? All of a sudden you're on video. Would you be embarrassed? To spiritually progress, all of us need to repent of dead works. People who are spiritually progressing don't hide skunks under their shirts. If you've 100% turned from evil deeds, then the second part, so you're not a 50% repenter like the Old Testament nation of Israel is, if you've 100% turned from evil deeds, have you 100% turned toward God? to the Lord Jesus Christ, as Pastor Rogers said earlier, is God number one? Not just on Sundays, but Monday to Saturdays as well. Do you hate the dark enough to love the light? Little children, all little children that I am aware of at least, hate the dark, but love the light. (laughs) When our kids were very little, sometimes little footsteps would come into our bedroom and there was a storm, and it was dark, and one of our children was frightened and asked if they could slip in bed uh, with us to sleep with us because they were scared. They were scared of the dark. Most little kids are scared of the dark, but you know what? Sometimes children of God aren't scared of the dark. They operate in the dark. 
and they don't spiritually progress when they do. In 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 5, it says of us as believers, for you are all, not some of you, not just pastors and missionaries and elders and deacons, for you all are sons of light and sons of day. We are not of night nor of darkness. And so the question is, this little applicational part, how are you with respect to your repentance from dead works? When no one's looking, how are you? How are you about hating the dark enough to love the light? The second applicational question I want to ask me and you, how are you with faith toward God? Faith toward God. Whatever is not of faith is flesh. Whatever is not of faith is flesh. The two don't like each other. The two duke it out as a civil war inside of us. Whatever is not of faith is flesh. And so the question I have to ask myself is the question I hope you'll ask yourselves is, do I walk by faith or by sight? Am I spiritually progressing in my faith toward God that I live by faith and not by sight? In one of my recent video devotionals, we looked at Hebrews 11.6. You may want to try to find that devotional later. It's still up. But at that time, I defined that what walking by faith is, walking by faith is living in total obedience to the known will and word of God, regardless of the circumstance it will leave you in or the consequence it will bring to you. The Christian who is walking by faith and not by sight is obeying the Bible radically, 100%, and letting the circumstances that result from doing that and the consequences that result from doing that with, be with God. Are you walking by faith or by sight? I mean, there were Old Testament people who walked by faith and not by sight, who were radically obedient to God, regardless of the circumstance it left them in or the consequence which they faced. There was Abraham who did that, and Moses, Joseph, Daniel. They all walked by faith and not by sight. And of course, New Testament characters that walked by faith and not by sight were people like John the Baptist, John the Apostle, and Paul the Apostle, they all walked by faith and not by sight. They completely obeyed the known will of God and they did not give any concern for the circumstance it would lead them into or the consequence that they would face for doing so. But wait. Some persons can't spiritually progress. There may be some persons who are viewing this sermon that right now you can't spiritually progress because you're spiritually dead. Ephesians 2.1 says, For you were dead in trespasses and sins. The person who is not yet a Christian can't progress spiritually because they're spiritually 
dead. And until they're made spiritually alive through regeneration, the work of the Holy Spirit at conversion, they are stuck. They cannot spiritually progress. If you say, that's me. I haven't trusted Christ to be my Savior. My mommy did. My daddy did. My siblings do. But I haven't seen it as being for me. You can't spiritually progress dead and trespasses and sins. But if you would like to know how you can be made alive, saved, converted, made a new creation in Christ, I'd be happy to help you to know. The Bible has bad news and good news. The bad news of the Bible is all about us. And the good news of the Bible is all about God. The bad news of the Bible is that we are all sinners. All of us. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. It's like if there was a rock outside in the churchyard and three of us grabbed different rocks about the same size and the contest was to throw the rock to Miami, Florida. One of you could outthrow me. I'm an older guy. I might outthrow someone who's never really developed throwing skills. But none of us that hit Miami, it's too far away, and so is the glory of God. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's bad news. The bad news about us gets worse in that we earn a wage for falling short of God in sin. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death. My first job was in suburb of Toronto at a large lumber company's head office. I was their uh, mail boy. I got the mail all sorted that came to the head office, and I took it to all the executives and the workers in, at their desks. Their mail came because I delivered it. That was my job. At the end of two weeks, they handed me a piece of paper that I learned I could take to the bank and get money for, a paycheck. When they handed me my paycheck at, at the end of two weeks, I didn't say, oh, thanks for the favor of this paycheck. I said, thanks, but it wasn't a favor. I earned it. God says, when you fall short of me in sin, you earn death. That's your paycheck. That's the bad news of the Bible. It's all about us. The good news of the Bible is all about God. And the first part of the good news is that God loves sinners. Romans 5.8, but God demonstrates his own love toward us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us in our place. If one of you, God forbid, got terminal cancer, and the surgeon told you that he could cut out all the cancer cells in your body, but for some reason he couldn't just throw them away. He had to put them into some other person. If you told me that, and I loved you, and said, Doc, you can take her cancer cells and put them into me, the doctor might say, Pastor Elliot, do you know what that would mean? I said, yes, sir. He said, Pastor Elliot, that means she would live and you would die. Are you good with that? If I said yes, then my sister in Christ, whoever she was, would know beyond the shadow of a doubt that I love her as a brother. 
Jesus Christ had no sin. But in love for sinners, he took all of your sins, all of my sins onto himself. He died the death we should have died to be able to give us the life we never could have had without him. That's good news. The good news gets even better that the forgiveness of sins and a home in heaven one day is to be received as a gift by faith. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. There'll be no boasting in heaven. Because every single person who's in heaven got there the same way. They got it as a gift, not as a reward. They got it as a grace gift that Jesus Christ purchased with his blood on the cross for them. If God says to me, why should I let you into heaven? It's nothing to do with being a pastor. It's everything to do with what Jesus did for me that I clung on to by faith and received by faith. Faith of a little child. I was four and a half years old. I didn't know much. But I knew that I was a sinner. I knew that Jesus died and paid for my sins in my place. And if I would trust him to be my Lord and Savior, he would forgive me. I knew that much. And so, viewer, where are you? Do you understand the bad news of the Bible? Do you understand the good news of the Bible? Would you like to trust Christ? Would you like to be enlivened so you could progress spiritually? I'd love to help you do that. Let's pray where we are all at. Lord, some viewers are wanting to get right with you right now. They recognize that they are sinners separated from you, dead in sins. But thank you that you love them, Lord, and you've proven it on the cross. And Lord, I would help and ask those who want to receive the gift of eternal life and forgiveness of sins to pray something like this. This is not a magic prayer. It's talking to God. Make this your prayer. Lord, I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. I trust Christ and only Christ to be my Savior. I believe he died in my place and I believe that he rose from the dead. Make me new from the inside out and help me to live a thank you kind of life to you from now on. Welcome to God's family. If that was your prayer, he heard you. He'll never forget. Welcome to God's family. If we can help you grow spiritually, there are ways you can contact us and we hope that you will. Praise the Lord for his message today. Amen. What a joy it is to know the Savior, to know that our sins are forgiven and that we have the free gift of eternal life with him. Let's uh, stand together. If you can, where you are, we'll be singing about our confession of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, about standing in his love, standing in his power. Let's do that as we sing. In Christ alone, my hope is found.
Christ alone my hope is found he is my light my strength my song this cornerstone this solid ground firm through the fiercest drought and storm what heights of love what depths of peace when fears are stilled when striving cease my comforter my all in all here in the love of christ i stand in christ alone who took on flesh fullness of god in in his precious word. Let us pray. Dearly Father, again, we do recognize that apart from you, we are nothing. And Father, everything that we have is in Christ alone. And because of Christ's sacrifice on the cross, we thank you for that payment for our sin. And Father, I pray that we would live life because we have life and life abundance.
in us. And that because of what they see in us, they would want a relationship with Jesus Christ. And we just thank you, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Just one reminder. Next week, we will be open here at 1030 next Sunday morning. Thank you. Have a great day.